Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Uh, in January, I got to go to Zambia, which is a country that I grew up in, and I hadn't been there for a long time, and I went to look at a project uh, where they raised, they have 120,000 hives there, and harvested 350 tons of honey last year, and that project is used to support pastors there in Zambia. While we were there, we went to the Victoria Falls. How many of you have seen pictures of Victoria Falls? See, if you see pictures of it, it's majestic. I mean, it's beautiful. You can see the mist going up, but there's nothing like going there and feeling the, the thunder in your body of all that water going over the falls. There's nothing like being there and the mist is coming down on you. Uh, a picture of something is great. The real thing is even better. You know, you can have a picture uh, of someone that you dearly love and can enjoy that picture. But once they come, you don't walk around looking at the picture. You enjoy the person that's come. Here in the book of Galatians, we have been studying uh, uh, in the first three chapters. And Paul says, look, people, I I'm perplexed about you. It, it troubles me. He said, I came there, worked amongst you, and you gave your life to Christ. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. Miracles were happening. Good things were going on. And now suddenly you've changed direction. You've gone a whole different direction. Instead of walking with Jesus, you've gone back to trying to do, do this, that, and the other. You've gone back uh, to the old ways. Because after Paul left and these people had given themselves to Christ and were meeting together, then here came the Judaizers, they were called. And they said, oh, yes. Jesus is good, but you've got to obey all those Old Testament laws, all the laws given to us by Moses. You've got to obey those, or that won't do you any good. And so the Gentiles were saying, oh, so we have to be circumcised, and we have to watch our diet, and we have to do all these things, and they began doing that. And Paul heard about it, and this letter has been written to them. Look, 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 you, you're, you're losing the real thing. And so it's a warning to them. He said, uh, you know, Abraham, uh, who he talks about in this letter, he said, and I want to just encourage you with this. The problem that people have with God, the relationship with God, is a problem of faith. All the way since the beginning. Satan himself was in heaven, leading the choirs of heaven. And he decided he didn't want to depend on God. He didn't want to leave worship of God. He wanted to be worshipped. And God gave him the ability to make that kind of a choice. And a third of the angels fell with him. They went, led a rebellion against God. And God let them make a choice. And then when they fixed in their choice, threw them out of heaven. And they became where God is like. They became dark, twisted spirits. Where they used to joy the praise of God and what they were created for. They fell and became hateful to each other, hateful, and, and the only way they can hurt God is to attack you and me. So Satan came into the world, and he deceived Eve. 
But he didn't deceive Adam. Adam made a choice. A choice. Satan said, that's good to eat. God says you'll die. You won't die. You can't trust that. He's holding out on you. If you'll eat that fruit, you'll become like God. You won't need him anymore. And you can rule over all of this. And Adam made the choice. Eve had already eaten. And he made the choice. I'd rather have her in my own way than God in his way. And as soon as he took a bite of that fruit, all through the seen universe and the unseen world around him, the effects of that rippled in. And God has been working ever since then. He didn't say, ah, just wipe them all out. He said, he came looking for Adam that evening. Adam, where are you? I love you. He knew what he'd done. He knew where he was. But he wanted to see if Adam, but Adam and Eve had run, hidden, covered up, and, and were sitting there in guilt and shame. And God came to them and said, what's wrong? You, you always used to come greet me. Well, we're, we're, we're naked. Well, how do you know you're naked? Did you eat that fruit I told you not to eat? Well, that woman you gave me, if you hadn't given her to me, we wouldn't be in all this trouble. Yes, I ate because of that woman. And God said to the woman, what did you do? Well, that, that, that serpent, he tricked me, and I ate. So God dealt with each of them. But he made a promise there in Genesis 3.15. He said, one day I will send a redeemer. That serpent will bite his heel, but he will crush his head. And we're watching that unfold before us right in history. And here, as God sought to come back into relationship with people, we find that people walked with God. Adam had walked with God, but he broke faith with God. But then you have Abel offering his sacrifice, and by faith offered the sacrifice to God for his sins. And his brother murdered him. You go on down, you'll find other men. You find Enoch. Enoch... What did he do? Walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. Now Enoch had a family. Enoch had uh, authority. But he was a man who chose to walk with God. And one old preacher said the way it was is they, they walked one day and they walked so far God said, ah, you might as well come home with me. It's too far to go back to your place. And he took him. But Enoch, by faith, walked with God. God wants to have a walk with you. He wants to have a walk with with me. And here in, in the Galatian letter, Paul says, I've come to you. I've led you to Christ. I've shown that you don't need the sacrifices anymore. The sacrifices were just pictures of what God wanted you to do. The, 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 the Passover lamb there in Egypt was a picture of Jesus. Not one bone was broken according to the scriptures. The uh, tabernacle that was built was a place where they could come meet with God in the holy place, in the holy of holies. God had blood sacrifices that would look forward to when Jesus would come and shed his blood, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Paul preached Jesus to them. He said, you don't need those, those ways that, that the Jews have been doing. That was a picture until the real thing come. Hebrews chapter 1, you can go there. said, God, who in various times and various ways spoke to people in times past by the prophets in these last days has spoken unto us by his Son. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know the good shepherd 
that we read about earlier there? Do you know the secret place of the Most High in Psalm 91, the shadow of the Almighty, the, that protection, that strength, that relationship with God? God loves people. All through the Bible, you can read. Now, Satan tries to convey the image that God is grumpy and doesn't like people and just looking for some excuse to hurt them. No, God says, I am full of mercy and loving kindness and compassion, reaching out to people. So Paul had come to the Galatians. <coughs> Excuse me. They had given their life to Christ. And now they had gotten hoodwinked back into a uh, legalism of trying to obey the law and uh, to keep rules to make themselves right with God. They'd abandoned faith in Christ and now we're putting faith in rules. Uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 10 says, For as many as have the works of the law are under a curse, for it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law to perform them. If you try to be right with God by obeying rules, you have to obey the law. You know, if you're going down the highway headed down towards Canton and you're going uh, 85 miles an hour because you're in a hurry or you're trying to get down there because all the toilet paper and LLJ is gone and you've got to see if you can get down there and get your pallet down there somewhere. You're rushing down the road and a policeman pulls you over. He says, what are you doing, sir? Well, I'm in a hurry. Well, I know you're going 85 and the speed limit's 65. Well, sir, I want you to know this is the first time that I've ever spent. I always obey the law. I obey the law at home. I pay my taxes. I feed my family. I go to work every day. I always obey the law. He said, yes, but today you didn't obey the law. The Bible says that if you break the law once, you're guilty of breaking the law. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. God says... All of you are lawbreakers. So all of us are convicted. Uh, verse 11. Now that no one, chapter 3, Galatians 3, 11, No one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous, the person who is righteous before God is one who is living by faith in Jesus Christ. But the law, verse 12, is not of faith. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He became a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, and Jesus hung on the cross for you and for me. In order that, listen, verse 14, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Hold your hand up if you're a Gentile. Yes, there's people here, and there at home you can hold it up too. I just can't see you. But uh, God came to reach out to the people furthest from him. He said, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Listen, you can't obey the law. The Jewish people, God gave the law, and the law was good. It was a spiritual law. He gave them the civil law, which guarded how they functioned as a, a nation together. He gave them the uh, ceremonial law, which gave them certain kinds of rules of how they were supposed to act uh, with each other and how they were supposed to worship God. And then he gave them his moral law. The law of God <coughs> reveals it, it, the, the kind of rules that you have for your children tell me the kind of person you are. You know, uh, 
if your rule for your child is you don't steal from anybody in the family, but it's okay to steal from other people, that tells me something about you. Uh, if you uh, teach your children, uh, a young man came to you one time, he says, oh, my daddy's so smart. Look at this big knife. There's a nice, big, pretty knife. He said, we were at the store, and my daddy switched the price from another knife, a cheaper knife, and put it on this knife, and then we bought it, and, and we got out of the store. And I said, well, that's terrible. Your daddy taught you to lie, cheat, and steal. And that young man went on to be a thief and to go to prison for stealing. His daddy taught him something, taught him the wrong way to walk. God says, I love people, and I want to bring you uh, to, into a relationship with me. It's not enough just to have rules. You see, uh, you may think that you're looking good. And then you go look in the mirror, and Eric talked to us about this last week. You go look in the mirror, and suddenly you realize, oh, that's not looking as good as I thought it was. That was not the trumpet of the Lord. If it was, we'd be gone. All right, all right, so we're okay? Well, I hope you passed the cuss test. All right, so... Man, that was scary, wasn't it? All right, sounded like a tugboat getting ready to run over you, going in your canoe. Uh, so uh, God says, "I can't. You you can't obey my law. The, the The law is just a mirror to help you know how bad you really are." And so when God says, "Don't covet," you say, "Never." Don't steal. Never. Don't lie. Never. We know that we can't do that. We don't even live by our own laws, do we? And we fall short of God's law. The purpose of the law was not to save you. The purpose of the law was to show you how bad you needed God. How bad you needed Jesus Christ. But here the, the Jews said, well, Moses, God gave the law to Moses through the angels. And Paul said, yes, but he gave a promise to Abraham long before that. 400 and something years or more than that. Before that, God gave a promise to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I am going to multiply your descendants and through you a seed that will bless the whole world will come forth. That promise was by faith. And Abraham uh, accepted that promise by faith. And he went out and God said, look at the stars. See all those? Start counting. Abraham said, I can't count all those stars. He said, your descendants will outnumber those. And Abraham believed God. And God counted it to him for righteousness. And he didn't just believe God and go back in his tent and carry on with his life. No, he followed after God. God told him to leave Ur of the Chaldees where his family was. Told him, you won't be coming back here. Say goodbye. And he and Sarah and his family left and went out across the wilderness and went to the land of Canaan. And God told him, this will be yours and your descendants forever. Listen, there's a lot of arguing in the politics and everything, but God gave the land of Israel to the Jewish people by a promise that was an unconditional promise. And he has plans for them. They are not godly people, but God has a plan for the people that he has worked with. A special plan, and that's one of the reasons I can believe the Bible. I see that plan unfolding. A nation that was gone for 2,000 years returned to that land. A nation that is fulfilling the, the prophecies that are given hundreds of years before in the Bible. But God came to Abraham, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as faith. Paul says, look, Moses' law that came later, 
That doesn't change God's promise that was given here. Abraham was believed God and was counted into righteousness. And he says, you are Abraham. Listen, you're Abraham's descendants. If you put faith in Jesus Christ, you will be justified by faith, not by law keeping, not by works. And in Ezekiel, God says, you're, the problem that you have is that you need a heart transplant. The heart that you have is a selfish heart. The heart that you have is a heart of stone. I'm going to take that heart out and I will give you a heart of flesh. A heart that wants to love God. A heart that wants to love people around. The power of the Holy Spirit in you to help you to live a different way. The book of Galatians is leading you now. So Paul has been dealing at the beginning of, uh, beginning of the book with the problems that, that, that they had in going back to the old way. And he said no. Verse chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you today. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Not just a faith that says, okay, I believe in Jesus today. And then you go on and say, well, back then I believed in him. No, the Bible says the justified ones shall be living by faith. It's an ongoing relationship of faith. Whatever is not a faith. God says is sin. When you quit depending on him, that is sin. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The one who comes to him must believe that he is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that God is? Are you following after him? Are you trusting him that he will do as he said? Uh, as, a, as a young boy, I heard these promises. I would like to tell you that God has kept his promises in my life. My mom and dad died in their 90s as missionaries. I lived with them and saw God faithful to them all through their lives. I read the scripture and I see God faithful to keep his promises. If today your life is directionless, if today as you hear about coronavirus, if today as fear tries to come uh, towards you and you say, well, what if I die? Let me ask you a question. What would happen if you died? Do you believe in spiritual things? The Bible says God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God made the world and he made people. So that we could be in a relationship with him. And enjoy his power and his wisdom and his might. He did that. We messed it up by bringing sin into the world. But God so loved the world, so loved you, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would put their faith in him should not perish, go to hell, which was created for the devil and his angels, but have everlasting life. Paul says to the, 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 the Galatians here, don't go back that way. Keep going on the way that leads, that, that is a life of faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.27 For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There are neither Jew nor Greek. There are neither male, uh, neither slave or free. Neither man or neither, neither is a male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. You know, God is able to bless the whole world because people of faith are the children of Abraham coming into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ and his word. Not just faith in faith. People tell me nowadays, oh, I've got faith. And I'll say, faith in what? Well, you know, I just got faith. No. You know, you can have faith in a straw when you're drowning and that won't do you a bit of good. 
you'll still drown. You've got to have your faith in the right object and the only object of faith that counts with God is faith in Jesus Christ, faith in God and his word. And so here in Galatians, Paul was warning them, come back to that relationship of faith with God. Come back to grace. Let me give you a definition of grace that I heard when I was younger that I like, that I think is helpful. Grace is the desire that God gives you and the power God gives you to do his will with joy. Grace is the power that God gives you by his Holy Spirit. The desire God gives you and the power God gives you by his Holy Spirit to be able to do his will and enjoy it. You know, you can have a dutiful wife. She meets you at the door. Yes, house is clean. Yes, food's cooked. Yeah, kids are in bed. Washing's done. Hi, come on in. Well, that's not what you're looking for, is it? You want a devoted wife. You want a friend. You want somebody who meets you and you can share what happened today. What went on in our life? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, and I'm blessed to have a friend like that to share life with. She's a woman. I'm a man. We're very different. But thank God we can have a friendship. God says, I want to be in a friendship with you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want, Jesus said, I want to be the bridegroom. And your engagement ring is the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Christ, he is the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance. And one day, there's going to be a, an eternal relationship of love with Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't fall away from that. Stay with that. He said in chapter uh, 4, Verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, like it says there in Hebrews. God in the time past spoke to us, but now he has sent his son. Verse 5, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that they might receive the adoption as sons. Because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in our hearts, crying, Abba Father, and Eric preached about that last week, that, that relationship of love, you know, I, I didn't have to be, well, yeah, there are times I was scared of my daddy, especially if I'd done something wrong, uh, especially if he said, go lay down on the bed, and then he would go get a hickory switch, or it was a mulberry switch, really, and you'd stand outside the window, and one leaf off, I knew when all the leaves were off, he was coming in, then he would sit down and talk to me and tell me how I had disobeyed him and how he loved me so much that he had to discipline me because he loved me like I was but he loved me too much to let me keep going that way. He said, I'm going to have to discipline you. I'm going to have to deal with you. But he was my father. I loved to hear his steps coming down the hall. I would get his shoes when I was a little boy and, and walk down the hall uh, pretending that I was him and my mother would pretend that that's what she thought. She'd say, oh, there you are, Dave. That's my daddy's name. And I just laughed, said, no, it's me, Mama, I fooled you. I had a re wonderful relationship with my father. God wants to have a relationship with you as his father. And he wants to bring you into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, repent, confess your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him and you can become a child of God. Uh, so there in chapter 4, verse 9. Paul says, now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you're going back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? 
He said, you couldn't obey those laws before. You can't now. You're observing days and months and times and years, seasons and years. I fear for you. Perhaps I've labored over you in vain. You know, a coach that takes a young man and works with him. You know, Brother Sam, here's a, a wrestling coach. And he takes and works with the guy and helps him. Helps him push weights. Helps him learn all those things. Well, if he goes away from all of his training and go and quits wrestling there, then he says, man, I spent all that time, all that effort, all that training in vain. What good was that? Paul says, I hope that I haven't spent this time with you in vain. I beg you, brethren, come back to God. And he says in chapter 4, verse 13, I was amongst you when I was amongst you before. I was sick and you didn't look down on my sickness. In fact, you would have plucked out your eyes, so to speak, to help me. But now, he says, you don't want to listen to me. Verse, chapter 4, verse 19. My children. You know, this is an affectionate term. Paul is talking to them. With whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. My children. Whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. You know, we as a church are, are asking that God brings us together. That we as fathers and mothers, as brothers and sisters, as friends, that we are all encouraging one another to become more and more like Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in us and by his word. And I thank God that I get to be in a fellowship with you brothers and sisters. It's wonderful to watch God working in your life and working through your life. To see our music team up here using their gifts. To watch the hospitality people as they welcome people to use their gifts of discernment and love. As we see teachers uh, using their gift of teaching. The gifts of the Holy Spirit here in this body. Uh, helping us to as individuals be more like Christ. As families be more like Christ. And then as a church to be more like Christ. Uh, God says uh, in, in Romans 8, 28 and 29. Well, let me ask you a question. After you become a Christian, what is God's goal in your life? What is God's goal in your life? Romans 8, 28 and 29. A lot of people like to quote 28, but they leave 29 off, and it's not meaningful, as meaningful without verse 29. We know that God works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's goal in your life is to work everything to make you more like Jesus. You know, as we face uh, different kinds, I mean, there have been all kinds of fear uh, in, in my life since I was uh, young. When I came to the States, they were afraid then Scientists were telling us that everything was going to freeze over down to Detroit. And now they say everything's going to warm up and we're all going to drown. Uh, and there have been all kinds of different kinds of fears. And there's terrorism and those, those things. And I've traveled across the world. And sometimes it's scary to be in a plane and know that you could be shot out of the air. Uh, it's scary to know that a plane might crash. There's all kinds of things that can cause fear in our lives. God says, you're only here temporarily. Prepare yourself to live with me forever. I have a place called heaven. And when you leave here, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you go to heaven to be with him. And then one day he's going to bring that heavenly city down to earth. 
and rule and reign on the earth. As I understand the Bible, uh, I wouldn't fight with you about that. But the way I understand it, rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. At the end of a thousand years, Satan will be released and people will follow after him, which is almost unbelievable. Why would you turn against Jesus himself being the ruler? But the heart of man is a deceitful heart and it is rebellious against God. Uh, I... Uh, we'll cover this other verse, Galatians 4.26, later. I, I don't want to get into that right now. But it says, the Jerusalem, verse 26 above, is free, which is our mother. I'll let you meditate on that. You can go to Hebrews chapter 12 and look there. It talks about the heavenly city. Go to Revelation 21, 22. It talks about the heavenly city. Uh, Abraham, if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that he wandered about his whole life as a nomad looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He knew he wasn't permanent here. He knew he had a permanent place with God in heaven. So I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come up. Um, we're going to close here. Let me ask you today. Um, do you know the Lord? Have you put your faith in Him? Are you walking with Him? Have you trusted Him the Lord Jesus is your Lord and Savior. There is the light walking in the darkness, walking in the light. There is the broad way that leads to destruction, the narrow way that leads to eternal life. There is life in the flesh. There is life in the spirit. There is life where you are in the lap of the devil, 1 John 5 says, and there is life when you are in the kingdom of God here, walking with him. There are two sides. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you're against me. He who doesn't gather with me is scattering abroad. You know, as we have uh, things that are creating fear in, in our world, I hope that you will tell people that there is uh, a living Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves them. And that you will tell them that God has a plan for their life and that they can know him. By faith. You don't get better to get to know God. You put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You ask Him to send His Holy Spirit into you. And instead of that heart of stone that always does the wrong thing, you will have a heart of flesh that loves God and loves one another. And all of God's commands, listen, are, are summarized in two commands. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I will give my spirit of love in you to help you love that way, to help you walk in holiness that way. The book of Galatians was written to the people who had come to Christ, but now they were being seduced to go back to another way, to go back to self-effort, to go back to self's ways, and to abandon Christ. Christ, who is the fountain of water for a little old cistern with a crack in it, to drink out of here. Paul's saying, how can you do that? Don't do that. Come back to Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. In chapter 5, we'll read about the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Out of your life will come love, joy, peace. You won't have to worry about what's going to happen next. You've got the peace of God, peace with God in your heart and life. Long-suffering gentleness, goodness and faith, meekness and temperance, experiencing the very character of God flowing through you. Paul said, don't go back there. 
come back to Jesus. Lord God, we come and thank you for this book of Galatians. As the Apostle Paul wrote it to people that he dearly loved, who had given their lives to you, but now they were drifting back into trying to keep you happy by obeying some rules, but they weren't submitting their hearts to you. They weren't trusting in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You came to this earth. You died, for, lived a perfect life. You died a sinless death. You purchased our salvation and through faith in you and your resurrected life, we have peace with God and the peace of God. Help us not to trust in rules, not to trust in organizations, but to trust in you and to experience your power working in us and through us to share your love and your person with the world around us. Right now, if you say, well, how do I get to know Jesus that way? You may have heard about Jesus. You may have been going to church a long time. But this week you've been brought to alertness that, hey, it's dangerous out there right now. The Bible says that you repent of your sin. You know you're a sinner. The Holy Spirit has showed you, you know. And you repent of that. You turn away from that. You renounce it. You let go of it and say, I can't get rid of it. But Lord Jesus, you said if I would put my faith in you, you would forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And you would send your spirit to live in me. And then I could begin a friendship with you to become all that you want me to be. So I repent of my sin. Do what you need to do in my life to help me be a child of God. To help me follow after you. And then help me to uh, experience your love and to share your love with the people around me. To live this life with you as my good shepherd. And then to come one day and dwell in your house forever. Thank you that you have told me the way to come to you. Thank you that when I obey you, I can experience your life and your power in me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.